welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by certified health nut Troy Casey. (laughs) I've been following Troy on Instagram for several years. I love his fire. I love his honesty. Um, I've had the honor and privilege of being on a few lives on Troy's channel, and I figured it was time to get him on the podcast to talk about the state of the world, masculine, feminine. I think you're gonna dig it. Before we jump in, I am reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, 
to comment, even if it's an emoji, even if it's a comma or a single letter. I'm also reminding you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. It's also the best way for us to keep in touch, given that I hear repeated reports of um, me not showing up in their YouTube feed or their Instagram feed or people being unsubscribed from the channel, even though they didn't make that choice themselves. Still hit subscribe because every little bit helps and do sign up for the newsletter um, just so you can stay abreast of my every next podcast, workshop, course, book drop, live event, etc. Speaking of book drops, my new book has dropped the language of betterarchy. It's getting such great reviews and commentary. It did soar to number eight on launch day, which was great. And thank you so much for your support. If you haven't yet nabbed a copy, it is available on Amazon in print, in electronic version, and newly launched audiobook. Um, with yours truly as the narrator. So be sure to nab copies of the language of betterarchy for yourself, everyone you know and love. Okay, I think that does it for all the housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with the ever colorful Mr. Troy Casey. What is like super lighting you up that you're so stoked to talk about? Uh, I've just developed a new program, fit and free legacy method.com. And so uh, I'm coaching men to the promised land of their own heart's desire. So getting very clear on all aspects of holistic health, getting to the root of their problems and then setting them free, clear, strong men awesome. change the world. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Any no-go places? Uh, not really. I mean, not not really. I mean, I you know, the, the lawyering bullshit and the divorce is like fucking ongoing and stupid. Would you get married again? Uh, married? Pieces of paper? Right. For what reason? What inspired you? Why'd you do it in the first place? Green card. That is a respectable reason. So, and you know, we fell in love, you know, she's, you know, that, that, that I'm wondering now after it's all taken place is like, what was, you know, what was her original motives? You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to go down that road too much. Although, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm an American. I reserve the right. I don't believe in marriage. I never believed in the institution of marriage. There are commitments and uh, <clears throat> the covenant of a relationship and family. But I have a different take on that. And I've got a different take on the way I grew up and hookup culture and feminism and entitlement and disconnection. And I mean, it's deep down that rabbit hole, right? Let's so, go down no that rabbit hole okay how do you think that feminism um like what negative effects do you see second wave <clears throat> feminism having on gen x dudes and all the ensuing generations yeah so we're recording then yeah you're just gonna keep rolling okay good <laughs> uh yeah so uh okay so 
the way I see it, because I also read all that polyamorous or I was through that movement, what was it, 2016, Sex at Dawn kind of thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, we're just, you know, men aren't meant to be, you know, this, that and the other thing. And I do believe men have built into their wiring to procreate, to move the species forward. And I do believe that before, because my understanding is, is, you know, we only started asking for permission about two, three hundred years ago. Right. And so permission uh, for what? Sex with a woman. Okay. okay. Right. That's my understanding. Anthropologically. Okay. Uh, and, and so um, and I don't even know if that's true. That was just uh, presented to me and that that made kind of sense. So the whole movement of polyamorous relationships and, you know, should that be a thing? And, uh, you know, when I got married, we had some challenges in our relationship and she withdrew love and withdrew sex and withdrew food, which I think are all very nourishing and nurturing elements of a relationship. And so at one point it was so cold and just distant and miserable that I put my foot down and I said, uh, you know, let me have a girlfriend or let's get divorced, you know? And, uh, and it, for me, it was more of a threat, a threat because I really didn't want a divorce. I wanted my family to be, be together. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I put my foot down and, and there was a girl that was interested in me at the time. And, and, uh, we had been talking and I'd been cut off from sex for like long periods of time, maybe over a year or so. And, uh, and so she got very angry for that. And that actually stimulated her into start studying sexual Kung Fu with Montauk Chia. And, uh, and she, you know, she's like, no, I want to be your mistress. I think that really turned her on. Right. And so, uh, so then she started studying sexual Kung Fu and we started exploring our sexuality a lot more. And we had an incredible time. And then I got a DUI. Right. And that caused more stress on the family. And I think we had some financial concerns and I'm going to tie this back into feminism in a second. Well, she had financial concerns. It was, it was kind of like uh, the sky is falling because, you know, like chicken little, because our kids were in private school. We lived in a vacation destination. We had brand new vehicles and we only ate organic food. So I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, we were, tight on getting the rent done and maybe floating a little bit of credit card debt, but we certainly weren't in big debt and, uh, and there's ups and downs in business. And I was in the entertainment industry doing commercials and there were some ups and downs. So obviously financial stress is there and let's go even back it up. We've created or allowed or or complied with the systems that are going on, including the federal reserve. And then the Rockefellers worked with the Rothschilds to create the federal reserve and the central banking And then uh, they also instituted the American Medical Association and the American uh, educational system. So there's the levels of indoctrination that we've been through, right? No victim consciousness, but just, you know, how did we get here? Woo, you know, let's ask some interesting questions. And this is my take on it, right? It's not my dogma. I'm not stuck there. But as far as I can see, you know, we've been a bit programmed to work in factories and listen to, I went, I went to school in Connecticut, brick buildings with bells on them, right? Ring, and then you move, right? And so that makes sense, the industrial age school system, then the banking, and no one's free until we're all free. And I'm for the, you know, uh, liberation of all. 
uh, completely back into a sovereign state or start sovereign understanding. Um, and so, and so no one's free until we're all free and we're all in a debt slave system right now. And so, uh, the lending is predatorial. The money has no intrinsic value. So there's that. And then the, Rockefellers who set up the oil constructs that we have and our money's based on the petrodollar, right? And we go to war with Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, uh, Libya, uh, Ukraine, wherever there is strategic positions for oil or the movement of oil. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so you've got, you know, all that propaganda machine baked in and you've got the educational system, you've got the energy system then you have the banking system and the rockefellers i do believe uh the reason we have any legislation on monopoly laws at all was because of the rockefellers because if you cross john d rockefeller when he wanted to run the oil down the railroad tracks and maybe you own the docks or maybe you own the, the railway car he would just either buy it up or ruin them right so uh so he just locked up a monopoly on the whole you know planet right the money the educational system the the media the pharmaceutical drugs these are all petrochemical byproducts you know in uh subsidiaries interconglomeration of corporations right and 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 systems set up so this is again as far as i can see it and then if you watched uh aaron russo's film from freedom to fascism in 20 he was great, right? He hero, died. My first hero. Political he died. Hero. He died soon after that movie, so you know. He I don't know. Died or was taken out? Yeah, you know, do the math. So anyhow, he looked pretty healthy on the film. So and you can find these clips on YouTube. Maybe, maybe they're still there. But uh, he talked about he was friends with David Rockefeller uh, at the time in the in the seventies and eighties in New York. And he made a famous film, if people aren't following along, he made a famous film with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd called Trading Places. And uh, Eddie Murphy was a homeless guy and Dan Aykroyd was a stock trader. And so- It was like uh, Eddie made, Murphy's breakout film. It was such a good one. I recommend everyone wa everyone watching, listening to us now, check it out. It's so good. So, uh, so there you go. A New Yorker grew up there, was friends with David Rockefeller. And David told him- um, you know, the reason they created feminism was to get two people to pay into the, the tax structure. And so my mother did not start working until 1973. I was probably seven, eight, eight or nine at that time. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 1973 was Gloria Steinem, burn your bra, right? Uh, let men make their own food, right? And so uh, that was 1973. Also, also, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle through Steinem. Think of that imprinting on young men, right? Abusive. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and who doesn't want freedom for human beings, right? Freedom is good. But, but leaving your family to go work for another man in a corporation, that's not freedom. <laughs> That's uh, fascism. So again, back from freedom to fascism. So they worked with, uh, Gloria Steinem worked with the CIA and it's in her book as well. And to usher in uh, feminism, the second wave of feminism. And so, uh, and if you don't know, you, you know, the CIA worked with MKUltra and to get LSD and all this 
sexual exploration in the 60s and and uh, uh, an exploration with uh, LSD as well. And so there's just been nefarious uh, workings by these alphabet agencies uh, inside of our government. So Gloria Steinem and the CIA worked to, in, to get feminism brainwashed into the populace, propaganda, via propaganda. And then uh, my mother started working in 1979, and it was a hobby. She didn't even need the job. Mm -hmm. Since the housing crisis, she's 76 now, and she needs to work every day just to live. So there's feminism for you, right? And so, uh, and then look at what we have, it's turned into, you got wet ass pussy, slide your face through the pussy like a credit card goes through a slider whatever you know the 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 cardi b consciousness and then you got all this boss babe stuff and now girls are all on only fans and you know uh there's there's other guys uh masculinity pages on twitter and and, and instagram that talk a little bit more about this candace owen has the research because the uh, black family was dismantled uh, even before this, because I think they incarcerated uh, the black men. There wasn't a lot of opportunity in the ghetto, and then they dealt drugs, and then the drug laws were very high, and a lot of those guys were just in there for marijuana, which is now legal. And so no black men in the family or fatherless homes, that usually constitutes incarceration and troubled youth. Now, it's said, I think she has the research on the men. So fatherless homes creates uh, major problems for society. However, uh, if a single father, a single family household, and it's only a father, that actually acts as both the men and the women. And so this is the psychology that uh, um, I heard from uh, Candace Owens. And so I think it's very important that we have the family unit together um, and not that, again, Dave Chappelle went through this pretty well in his last uh, Netflix special because he was lambasted by the LGBT community. And one of his uh, trans friends, who was a comedian on his roster, committed suicide because of all the brouhaha that went down with Dave Chappelle trying to be canceled for his Netflix shows. It's, 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 it's oh, excellent. Wait, hold up. Someone killed himself because of the pushback Dave Chappelle got for his show? Correct. They, uh, Dave Chappelle got a really hard time because he had some lesbian jokes or some trans jokes or would he, I don't even think, he would just talk about them and make the stories funny. Mm -hmm. And they called him, you know, anti-LGBTQ. Again, you got to go back and watch the, the the Netflix special. But he goes through this extensive story. I think the whole special is really about this story. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was somebody in San Francisco that was a comedian. It was a trans person. And, uh, and he opened up for Dave. And so... Um, I think there was so much pushback on Twitter that this person ended up committing suicide. So, and all is Dave and the trans person and everybody that was being honest was trying to do was just be honest and be a human being 
and not try and shame and guilt and lambast other people, right? And if you can't laugh, I mean, laughter is the best medicine. If you can't laugh at something, I mean, that is a real stick up your butt. And you have more problems than a joke, right? You know? Well, and so, I saw that special. I felt like Dave handled it very gently and very lovingly. Like I didn't get the feeling there was any hate. I did notice the um, counterbalancing of, of slamming Trump, which made me feel like, oh, this is why Netflix allowed him to do this. But I, I did not pick up on any hate or negativity um, aimed at trans people on any level. Yeah, not, not at all, you know, and, you know, in the, on that subject, I follow Twitter and uh, gays against groomers. I love that. Right. Like there are sane homosexual people out there. Of course. Right? Not everybody. Not everybody's trying to shove their cock down children's faces. Right. <laughs> or, or my face when I don't want it. You know, whatever, whatever happened to hashtag me, too. Right. Right. I was I was in the fashion industry. I got plenty of advances. Right. You know, I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm good. You know, that happens, you know, uh, on on all levels. And I like to delineate, you know, there's assholes, right? Not whole groups of people. There's individual assholes. Um, and uh, I just think that anytime you question or make a joke about any subculture, you know, all of a sudden you have to be an anti-Semite, a misogynist, a racist, a white supremacist white privilege and then god forbid you say oh that's reverse racism and then they say oh racism doesn't exist reverse racism doesn't exist okay whatever just make it up while you're going along because <laughs> because that's all anybody's doing you know it just really comes down to um it really comes down to respect and reverence and i think uh a level of honesty um well, I think the narcissism of that is so remarkable and worthy of more public discourse, because if I make a joke about gays, Jews, Asians, what have you, and then to have it flipped as though I'm anti, right, it's to as though I'm putting people front and center of my world and deciding that I hate them. It's like, no, I'm just telling a joke or I'm not really that concerned with your movement or I don't really care. But it's like the narcissism of victimhood has everyone putting themselves front and center in everyone's story. And it's kind of crazy. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's insanity. It's yeah. exactly where it's at. So where were we with the feminism? So I just think that that's a big marker for me, especially because, you know, I grew up through all this. So 70s, mother didn't work, 1973 with Gloria Steinem. Then by 1979, she, she, we, I was 12 at the time. My older brother was, was my younger brother was getting older, uh, maybe nine or 10. And so a woman was free to kind of do what she wanted. And she had a job. I think she worked for the post office briefly. And uh, she wanted it. She wanted something to do with her time. And, 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 and so, and now what do we have? We've got the boss babes. Everybody's got to work. Everybody's got to hustle. Traditionally, the men would take care of everything. I was, I was camping in the Grand Canyon uh, a few years ago with my children. And this guy at a big motor home, he was the, he was the camp, uh, the camp guard or the camp counselor. He was the, the camp guy that was holding everything together. He had a nice motor home and, you know, looked like, he said he lived in like Indiana or something, and he and he was a much older guy. He looked like he was in his eighties. He said that uh, he um, graduated high school in nineteen thirty two, 
got a factory job and raised his family. He had, he had uh, um, a house, a boat, three kids, went on vacation, and, and the, all on a factory job, right? He was probably making, I don't know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year, right? Forties, fifties, whatever. Bottom line is, is he survived. The, the woman never worked. He had a pension. You know, this guy was telling me about his life story. He was clearly old. Had plenty of toys even till that day. I mean, I can, you know, I just started, you know, becoming a little bit more successful. I have to hustle my ass off to make any kind of money. Pay for yeah. my kids. To pay for it. just how about organic food for myself and and enough time leisure time so I don't work myself to absolute stress like most of my clients right most people are just burning the candle at both ends both both people from a family are working everyone's stressed women have thyroid disease all over the place everyone's obese overweight diabetes uh, the kids are getting cancer and getting fat uh, at childhood obesity. I mean, things are really messed up. And if you say anything, you're fat shaming people or you're you're anti-fat, right? I would hope so, <laughs> given it, its conclusive links to so many diseases and health problems. Yes, correct. Heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer. Yeah, it's, it's, it'd be a good idea if we had the free speech that was there to illuminate the fact that this is no bueno for the children and the women. Yeah, that's... That's worthy of discussion. Instead, no, it's like, oh, that's hate speech. And we're going to put fat models on top of Sports Illustrated, which you had to be like, you know, so athletic to, just to get on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. Now they're putting fat models on there. And so what they're doing is they're normalizing dysfunction. And this is part of the brainwashing. This is part of the bamboozlement of human beings. Uh, the propaganda machines that Edward Bernays started so many years ago. And it's really coming to fruition. It's made the populace so sick that the only place to go from here um, is complete transformation. The pendulum swings both ways, yin to yang. And so we're completely yanged out right now. And eventually that's complete exhaustion. And so... You know, I don't know if it's aliens running this planet or just psychopaths because 6% of the population has the propensity psychologically to be a psychopath. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, it's weird. It's a big death wish out there. They've got uh, nanotechnology and uh, AI and, and uh, you know, things are getting a little strange. I'd say more than a little. Uh, There's so many things that you said that I want to pick up on. I'm so glad that you um, de delineated the difference between capitalism and debt enslavement, because I feel like capitalism gets a bad rap because we have been pushed into a debt economy and no one's noticing that no one makes enough money to support their lives. They have to go into debt. Um, because in my mind, conceptually, capitalism is awesome if, if we were making enough money, being paid enough to support ourselves without this, you know, insane hustle culture. Before I dive back into the feminism and whatnot, when did you become a conspiracy theorist? Like, when did you start to wake up to the fact that everything we'd been taught was a lie? Um, well, when I read... 
back in 1989, I started reading nutrition books, right? So I got, I got sick and, you know, that's what uh, my first book was all about, uh, was my journey, my journey into herbalism, internal purification, um, uh, juicing, you know, all things that are, you know, people are like, what are you doing that for? You know, the conditioning. So when I start, cause I was a Versace model and I started bloating and, uh, and then I, I gave it the old collegiate spirit, went down to the American bookstore and I was in Milan, Italy and bought a couple books on nutrition. And lo and behold, Captain Crunch and Pop-Tarts, not real food. I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. And so, uh, and then I read that when you bring cows to market, you can feed them cement dust and newspaper clippings, and it's completely legal. And so I was like, oh, wow. You know, 30 years later, I studied with the great Paul Check. He wrote a book called Under the Veil of Deception and all the poisons that they put in the food. And it's all legally FDA approved. Uh, you know, allowed Monsanto chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, it, you know, what sticks the herbicides and the pesticides, the chemicals to the plants, oh, petrochemical byproducts, right? It's actually petroleum, right? And then what's in there? Cadmium, lead, we're breathing that. And so, so that was kind of first step. Uh, that was 1989. Let's fast forward a decade later, I started meditating, started waking up out of my own dysfunction really because I was trying to stick my square peg in the round hole of life and it didn't match up very well so I just started drinking lots of alcohol and so and that was a dead end road so I started meditating and that was a freedom path and I was sitting a lot of apostana courses and then uh lo and behold 9-11 happened and I was like what it's like come on that, I mean, and, and then as it unfolded, well, first of all, everyone's flabbergasted, so it gets your attention. And then they drill those images into your mind. And it was the same footage over and over again. And then the Warren report, was that it, came out? And that had so many holes in it. And then what happened to Building 7? And then, you know, what's his name? Silverstein was like, pull it. You know, and then there's then there's firemen saying there's explosions in there. And that, this gets scrubbed off of everything until the Internet popped up. And then there was recordings everywhere. And so 9-11 was the biggest thing. And then being treated like a criminal by the subsequent TSA. And I just flew to Vegas last week. And uh, yeah, we'll be flying private or something or I don't know. I, I think I get my TSA pre-screen to come through and see if that alleviates any of the other Nazism anxiety of going through those TSA. They, like it's Nazi Germany fully. And these are blue collar, blue, blue collar workers thinking they got a leg up on you and they're a federal agent. Yeah, boy, keep your hands up. It's like, motherfucker, don't talk to me like that, sir. Sir, you want to get arrested? Fuck you. It's like, fuck you. You know, shut the fuck up. Get your supervisor over here. <laughs> it's like, you fucking work for me, you fucking asshole. Anyways, hence why uh, we'll be flying private from now on. 
I'm so, I'm laughing because this is me and this is why I don't fly anymore because I cannot keep my shit together with TSA. I can't go through the sham. I, I no longer have any ability, so I won't do it because I know that I'll end up in handcuffs. <laughs> so, you know, and this is, this is the totalitarian tiptoe that we're, you know, everybody's like, uh-uh, we're boiling frogs. We're, this isn't totalitarian tiptoe. We're just in a hot tub. <laughs> Everything's groovy, man. <laughs> Relax, dude. Love and light, bro. Uh, I love all the synchronicities that we have, all the things we have in common. I'm, I've also done a ton of Vipassana meditation, love, hate, the 10-day meditation retreats. Um, I think 9-11 was a wake-up call for so many of us. Going back to, I want to pick up on the sex at dawn piece because you have had the experience of being married and in that commitment. And also I know you work with men, which is why I'm going to continue to kind of steer our conversation in that direction. So I'm curious to know, were there elements of being in a committed monogamous relationship when you guys did have the committed monogamous agreement that you can see served you? You know, the, the monogamous thing was implied, okay. right? It was implied. And so, and I think it's implied. This is why I'm celibate now and I don't have sex with women. Because once you have sex with a woman, they expect you to be monogamous. And I think that there is an incredible bond, uh, a psychological, emotional bond there. And I think that Two beings, two emotional beings, I think, requires some with great power and pleasure in that experience comes great responsibility. And so and I didn't understand it. it took me almost 50 years to start really understanding it. People didn't teach me. Yeah, you heard the Bible is like you're not supposed to sleep around or covet another man's woman, this, that and the other thing. And so but I wasn't brought up religious. Right. But you hear inklings of this. And so, and I think that there is a better balanced, more respectful, conscious way of acting. And I do believe that the sex act can create worlds, right? So if you create an Elon Musk and he travels to Mars and he populates AI and we have the Clone Wars and Star Wars and Star Trek and all that stuff, and then like whole worlds beyond it, right? You having sex with another person and creating a genius or whatever have you can create whole universes and worlds, right? So- it's very powerful. So with that power comes great responsibility. And so what are you going to do with it? You can get a disease. You can get a girl pregnant. Now, I'm here to tell you, I think uh, I, I, I counted up to one point, uh, at least nine abortions with past girlfriends, right? Mm -hmm. And I know every single one of those women were heartbroken at the time. And I was misunderstanding, callous, drunk, in a, in a different state of mind, and also... The girls were also like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, well, the, uh, abortion, you know, abortions are available. They're legal. Let's just go get one, you know. And I know that they were hurt. They were injured physically. They were injured emotionally, 100%. But we still see all over the Internet, fuck whoever you want. Wet ass pussy. Woo! You know, boss babe. You know, this. let me let me go fuck the man that has money. I want a boyfriend that has money in a supercar and a and a. He's going to buy me a Gucci bag. And then and then and then 
you know, the woman has the high value when they're young and they have that fertile body. And so, and then we misuse that energy. It's getting taken advantage of it or we exchange it for money, et cetera. And I'm, I'm just here to say that I think we're all mixed up like pasta primavera right now. I think we're extremely confused because if we were going to go back to, to interview the women that I had sex with over my lifetime that had abortions, I think you'd see a lot of upset. And the flip side of the abortions is the pill. I'd like to see some of the women that uh, were on the pill when we were having sex back in the day. I'm sure that affected their body. And I know so many women are on thyroid medication. You know, let's see what's happening. Autoimmune, you know, let's see what the long term side effects of these drugs, you know, and then you start studying Tantra, sexual Kung Fu, ovulation. You start studying the power of the human being and the sexual apparatus. And you start realizing that, isn't it something like you only ovulate or, or fertile for five days out of the month or something like that? Like there's there's mechanisms, natural mechanisms that we could utilize and bake into our self-care education programs and like teach human beings on how to take care of oneself which is in direct proportion to taking care of others, right? Because we're in symbiotic relationship with everyone. So it'd be a good idea to understand your predicament and understand my predicament and the male, female, because there are only two genders, right? The law of gender, the law of polarity. So, and we understand this instead of twisting everything that we see in the world today. And like, there's more genders, like what? <laughs> <laughs> the 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 genders that spring up with emotions well i think i'm a i think i'm a growling cat that's okay. not a gender though that's a species <laughs> it's interesting because you have the same people saying trust the science also saying there are thirty thousand genders it's like how do you rectify both of those things <laughs> you don't do you feel any karmic repercussions for yourself from those nine abortions? I think I probably live, lived them unconsciously already. Mm -hmm. I've had plenty of pain in my life, plenty of pain and suffering. And, um, and I only really started being aware of that as this abortion conversation is, has come more to a head. I probably, you know, I was drinking, using drugs at the time. Um, I was unconscious and kind of, you know, you go have relationships or sex with women and you move on, right? You move on. And so uh, I hadn't really thought about it a lot. You're even making me think more about it right now. And so I think that there, uh, you know, there's a huge responsibility and I've had plenty of bad cause and effect, karma, whatever you want to call it, law of cause and effect. You know, I've had plenty of my own and I've just reflected on it recently with the Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, well, just the we should what, what should we call this? The 10th wave of propaganda. <laughs> like what I mean, wave did we just go through? <laughs> so it's officially called fourth wave neo-feminism, which seems to me to be decidedly punitive, vengeful violent, um, all masculine shadows, which is the whole like irony of all these feminist movements that they're so reliant on these masculine shadowy ways 
of of asserting themselves and shitting on men um some self-awareness would be lovely <laughs> yes so i'm reflecting on the abortions my past actions um well not only that but like even some of the fathers that probably got wind of that, you know, and the conversations that I now have with my daughter, and I probably will bring these abortions up. And, uh, and I think it's probably honest to anybody that's out there watching. Have you had an abortion? How did it make you feel? Is that empowering? Should we have had other conversations about sex, sexual power? Because, as much as I know now about sex, I didn't get the birds and the bees. The sex ed at school in the 70s, I don't, I don't even know if I remember. They, basically, they just talk about STDs and rubbers. Right. Right? And so that was kind of it. Now, my children, they have Montak Chia disciples, sexual kung fu Zen master disciples that are my children's counselors. Right? Wow. My, my children, I know, that's cool, huh? So cool. They're six, they're six. And it, it was my ex-wife's counselor. And he was very, very Zen balanced, awesome, incredible human being. And uh, I was like, do you have a female that you train uh, for my daughter? And he did. And that girl is young, in her 20s, psychology degree. You know, I think she might be, even be a social worker. And, uh, and she studies all the Zen and, and sexual Kung Fu. And then, uh, and then my son's 16, so he's got different questions for sure. But my daughter just got her period. I don't know much about that. So it's best if she can talk to a woman. Of course, she can talk to her mom, but it's always better. Sometimes the kids have embarrassment about that. I override the embarrassment because I just tell them, I mean, you're going to have sex. You're going to want to have sex. It's a powerful thing. I'm here to take care of your grandchildren, but you better be also, and you better make sure that whoever you're throwing around and throwing down with, that you're going to want to live with them for a while because you're going to have to live with them anyways. And the divorce that we just went through, that's par for the course. So you might as well find a traditional person that is willing to you know, ride the wave of raising children all the way to the end. And you're going to have the wherewithal to do that, especially finances. So again, back to like feminism and intertwining with finances, finances, propaganda. You know, I think there's this, this implied picture that everything's rosy. You go to school, you get a good job, then you have a white picket fence and two children and you can pay your bills and everything's groovy, gravy and rosy. And the fact of the matter is we had the 2008 crisis. We had the 9-11. We had all these things that happen that just keep either dismantling our rights and devaluing the dollar, right? Watering it down, making it worth less, literally and figuratively. Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button, for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. 
as you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.